0: Streaming on Paramount Plus. You're ready, Bob. Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel good movie of the year. You dig? You Bob Marley one love. Rated PG 13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount Plus. What brings you to the Shy? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the South Side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Welcome into the Husker twenty four seven podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Michael Brunts here on Monday afternoon. Matt Rule has spoken. Nebraska football is five and three, one game away from bowl eligibility for the first time since 2016. Brunts has spent numerous hours researching every bowl projection he can find. I'm fairly certain he is checking every uh, major metro newspaper to see if they have bowl projections. Uh, you know, I think he was looking at the Hartford Current and saw that uh, Nebraska is is projected for the uh, Pinstripe Bowl and was very unhappy with it. Uh, Bruns, what other note? What what does the Fresno be? Where do they have
1: Nebraska playing in the uh, in bowl projections right now? I'm working my way west, I'm not to Fresno yet, but the, uh, the oh, David okay. City David City Banner Press has Nebraska <laughs> potentially going to Nashville, so. Oh wow, uh, that's noteworthy. Uh, didn't know they did bowl predictions, but uh, here we are. So they they're they're not saying the Penn Bowl. So that's all that matters. And so if if the Music City Bowl is actually an
0: option, does that like vault up the list for you to to, to get a redo that trip
1: that we did in 2016? Uh, yeah, um, it'd be that'd be an okay bowl game. Uh, Nashville's changed a lot in the last. Uh, <laughs> seven years but uh yeah it's in what way what, what's different about Nashville? I, more pedal taverns I think is part oh, of it okay. but um no I think I think that would be a a pretty good bowl game and who knows I, I think that feels like a little bit of a stretch now um uh, decide what besides what the people in David City think but um I I do I do think that uh Vegas is on the on the table. Now, in a big way, and I think that's that's okay for Nebraska. That'd be a good trip, and not yep. not necessarily because of the Vegas, but I think you'd get an intriguing matchup against an okay Pac-12 team uh, that I'd be intrigued by. Okay, so let me select a Pac-12 team at random. Would
0: you be excited about a matchup with Arizona in the Las
1: Vegas Bowl? Only if Nick Foles is there. Um, that that would be because you're kind of like UCLA territory as well, which I know that's going to be a conference game soon, but that, that kind of uh, maybe Oregon state. I don't, I'm not. I, yeah, I I would, know. Here are the teams that interest me. If Nebraska
0: could play them, Oregon state, Utah. And that's, I think the entirety of the list, unless somehow Stanford is making a bowl, which I don't think they are.
1: They're not. Um, Washington yeah, state would interest me.
0: I, I don't want to see a team that Nebraska has been like, they played all of these non-conference games against Pac-12 opponents in the last 20 years. They've played multiple bowl games against Pac-12 opponents. They've faced UCLA, USC, Washington, uh, all in bowl games. They played all of them in the regular season at Oregon. Um, they faced Arizona in a in a in a bowl game as well. Um, I don't think Arizona State can make a bowl game, so they they would not be of interest. I, I just want to see something like relatively fresh and if nebraska gets ucla a team that they're going to play in 2024 as a bowl game <laughs> it's going to make me think of the uh, the 2010 situation where nebraska got washington in that holiday bowl where everyone's like yeah they just got thrown in that matchup because nobody cared at that point
1: yeah it, i agree with you i mean i'm trying utah would be interesting to me utah would be uh, fun i'd be down for that I don't know uh, that Nebraska's in that class of team yet but no well I, I kind of weigh that against like okay so if you go to like another bowl like let's let's say you go to Music City you're getting like an 8 and 4 SEC team um I don't know I mean I I I think just uh Oregon state stylistically would also be an interesting matchup of yeah. Nebraska cuz I think they tend to play similar styles of football, low possession, um, you know, they're they're kind of unicorns in the Pac-12 with how they do things, but we're we're just outside noise right now, and we're way ahead of ourselves. So, um, but yeah, there, there's it, w- once they get to 6, we're just going to really lean into this and really yeah. really get into it. Well, they could get to six as soon as Saturday when they travel to East Lansing to
0: take on Michigan State for an 11 a.m. kick. Uh, first time in a while that game. I don't know that they played at 11 a.m. against Michigan State at Michigan State. It's always been the 3:30 or a night game out there, as far as I know.
1: Yeah, so, it's. Uh, it always feels like it's it, like games there are dark. Like yes, it's either like. Late afternoon in the middle of like November, where it's just kind of gross out, or night games. Those those are your two options.
0: Has there only been three games there? Is that right? Nebraska's played at East Lansing three times. 2012, the the comeback, the Jamal Turner catch. Um, 2014, the the game where Bo Pelini punted from Nebraska or from excuse me, Michigan State's twenty-eight after recovering a fumble on yep. like the second offensive play of the game. Um, and then 2021. I think those are the only three. And that was a punt return game. Those and all of them have been really good. this series tends to be uh dramatic. Like every one of the games has been largely dramatic. Uh this one, I don't know
1: if it will go that way. Your the least think. dramatic game was the one with your guy Kirk Cousins. I know. Yeah. Lance that, that one... took him
0: out of the game right away.
1: Yeah. You don't come into Loomis's kitchen that way. Um Is it Loomis? Oh, I I it think it Harvard. Loomis,
0: huh? Is it not Harvard? Did Lance Terrell not go to Harvard? Harvard, Nebraska. That is.
1: Uh, it's Loomis. It is Loomis. I'm sorry for doubting you. My apologies. Yeah. Um, no, I, I. They have been good. I mean, then you have the snow game, um, the nine to six game, where uh, in in eight, in eighteen you had the the Brandon Riley catch, no catch. So, yeah, they, they've been, they've played some thrillers. 2013, Connor Cook with
0: the, the rip your throat out drive where they just high wired act all the way down. Or if you will, the Terrell Newby lost the pitch in the Sun game. Yeah. Uh, either one of those could work for 2013. Yeah. I mean, they, they've largely played interesting games. And that's Nebraska's opponent on Saturday. Let's, Brunts, uh, let's try to structure this as we move forward. <laughs> let's dive into, uh, let's dive into some Matt Rule talk. What, um, what did you hear from the coach on Monday?
1: Well, I mean, the probably the big news was that there was no laundry list of new injuries uh, at the start. You, you kind of the infirmary is uh, quiet, you're kind of bracing for that. Like, okay, who's it going to be today? Um, Omar Brown's in, in the concussion protocol, that was the most uh, noteworthy one. Um, but beyond that, I, I, you know, he, I think, I think he's expecting another, and I don't think this is just coach speak, I would, I think he's legitimately expecting a four quarter game. Uh, Michigan State is, is good at, you know, countering some of the things that Nebraska does well. And, you know, Nebraska, I think is just the kind of team that on the road, you, you have to expect that they're going to be playing four quarters. So, um, you know, the, the thing that was interesting to me, probably most, um, he said that they didn't play as well defensively in that game against Purdue as maybe what he thought coming off the field. And his reason for that was, there were a lot of things that Purdue had the opportunity to do that they were not able to execute. Um, th- there's a few plays that come to mind in that game. Uh, Nebraska didn't tackle as well in that game as maybe what he thought. And you know, I, I think now that you get into the, the the calendar into November, I think they're really kind of doubling down on this. You know, getting better every week. They're they're I think demanding more of players as the as the season goes along. So a lot of that kind of talk, um, you know, with, with what's ahead of them. So I, I don't think that they're they're pleased with with kind of how uh things have gone on this winning streak. So they're not leaning back and putting their feet up on the furniture? Uh not yet. They uh they, they have not done that. Matt Rule apparently got a little nap in in the uh the, the tank, whatever it is where you get like four hours of sleep deprivation tank or yeah. something. Yeah. So he's he's doing that. That's as that's as relaxed as he's getting okay all right well I I tended to view it a little bit more in terms
0: of uh motivation um you know I thought Nebraska handled Purdue about as well as you could reasonably expect Purdue did have several drops that would have contributed to sustaining drives or what have you but uh good performance overall as you as you kind of I don't have how many rewatches are you on here Monday afternoon at this point uh
1: I I actually have not had one um oh maybe wow to, maybe tonight I'll get one in but I I, I, that's not true. I watched a little bit out on Sunday or uh, Saturday night, but I I, I I tend to agree with them a little bit. I mean, I, oh, obviously yeah. there's, right. there's there's the uh, I, I think you you're trying to keep the team focused on what's ahead, but at the same time, I mean, I, I think there were times in that game where uh, Nebraska's defense was fortunate. Um, you know, Purdue had some drops. They you know that the fourth down play right out of the gates uh you know that, that that kind of felt like the, the the missed pass play in the end zone that felt like one of those plays that in the past an opponent probably makes against Nebraska uh, I thought it was a pretty good throw but um yeah I mean I it, this is going to be a, a game against Michigan State where it's gonna be a physical game they're gonna have to tackle well and kind of get back to to doing the things that that they you know have have done well on this stretch he, he he talked a little bit about the offensive line. What was kind of your takeaway with that group from the How way they played, played on Saturday? Yeah. Um,
0: it wasn't noteworthy really one way or the other. I mean, it.
1: I guess. Is that a win? <laughs> like, is that a what? Is that is that considered a win that it wasn't noteworthy?
0: I guess. I mean, so part of my problem is that the bar is so low for this offensive line that if they just go out there and don't commit a bunch of penalties it's probably an effective game. The way Nebraska runs the football, they're not asked to just blow teams up and get a bunch of short yardage situations, then you can sort of hide where they're going to be weak at. I mean, I, a lot of it for me is it it wasn't the sort of game where Nebraska just lined the football up, ran right at Purdue and exerted its offensive will and offensive line against Purdue's front. Like they just They went to the sides. They had misdirections. They had, you know, like that's just what Nebraska has to do to be able to move the ball. Um, I don't recall the pass protection being particularly bad. Um, So I guess in some ways, like it was, I I, I guess if I had had to assume, I think that it went fine. I don't think that it was remarkable. Um, But I also don't feel like there was any real drop-off with the the backups in. And I guess maybe that's the most important part of the whole thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he actually said that two of the three sacks – they felt like were more on the quarterback than on, uh, on the offensive line in that one too. So, I mean, that's, you know, three new guys in their starting. I mean, that's, that's, it, it's a low bar, but they cleared it. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's the thing. Like you, you want to be able
0: to clear it. You want to be able to, to move forward with it. Um, it's just, it's, they play offense in such a way that It minimizes how often they have to, or if they're not put in a lot of short yarded situations, the offensive line generally should be able to walk out of most games looking like they did their job, if not looked well. But as soon as they get put into those short yarded situations, that's when I have a lot of doubt on their ability to just go forward with those five guys, move a pile and pick up first downs. One, because I don't know that Nebraska has a running game to do it with running back. Um, Two, because it feels like when they get inside the 10-yard line to try to go score, it is a huge adventure rather than just being able to go forward. So those would be my my rationale. Now on a day like uh, Saturday against Purdue when almost every touchdown came from some distance, you don't really have to worry about that. You know, like it's not a, that's not a, that's not a big concern. They did have the really nice uh, touchdown pass from, Harburg to Fedoni for one yard. They were able to score inside the ten yard line. I think that was the only opportunity they had to do it, and they did it. Uh, but you go to the Illinois game, you go to these other games. Uh, I'm not sure that I'm I'm believing in the offensive line to that degree. But are they significantly ahead of where they were last year? Yes.
1: Yeah, I mean that's that. I mean that's all you could if, right. It's tough because it's like they were. There was so much wrong last year, not only on the offensive line, but everything. The whole you know, offense, yeah. The whole picture was off. Um, but I don't, it, it's it seems like a group that, in spite of you know everything that's going on with this offense, is is somewhat steady. Like yeah. steady is okay, I think, with the way this offense. Matt Matt Rule does not want you to call it ugly, uh, but it seems like it's a tougher group like than what they were last year.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's fine. I mean, I think that describes the uh, the offense as a whole. So I mean, there's just a lot of guys that are out there that are probably being asked to do more than what you would normally want in the given situation, but it's what you have and you got to be able to to make do. And on Saturday they they did. I mean, they they hit on a couple big plays. Um, they obviously fumbled several times throughout. They struggled to close the game in an ideal fashion. Uh, But they they largely did what you set out to do, which was take advantage of some big opportunities that Purdue might give you and put points on the board. And, um, you know, I I I don't know uh, where we want to go next with this, but I, I will say that Tristan Alvano, 55 yarder is so big for a variety of reasons. But part of it to me is just the idea that if you can get to the 35, you give yourselves a chance for points with a flawed team. And a defense that's sole goal is to keep everything tamped down. And it again, so like you might have a game coming up where you play Iowa, Wisconsin, or, you know, it could be this weekend against Michigan state where Nebraska is going to be asked to win a game 16 to to 13. And that's three field goals and a touchdown. And you need two of those field goals at 50 yards. It feels a lot better seeing Alvano go and do it um, for the health of the overall scoring operation.
1: Yeah, no, it, it it is big. I mean, that's that's kind of what Iowa did for years, right? Like they had a good kicker. This basically. feels like
0: an Iowa team. I, nobody wants to hear that, but like their offense isn't particularly good. Their defense exists to basically keep the offense in the game and take advantage of every opportunity. Yeah, and special well, teams has to be a part of that.
1: If if Nebraska starts scoring on defense and special teams with regularity, I'll I'll go along with that um i didn't say it was a good version of of i know what was doing it's it's a version um (laughs) no and it's funny with alvano like you can tell even in like interview settings like he's significantly more confident than he was a month ago like and and like you said i mean if you can count on you know points once you're inside the opponent's 30 i mean that that's huge and you know that that's been the piece that's kind of been missing for Nebraska for a number of years is just a a reliable kicker that can kind of you know tidy things up for you a little bit where you know if, you, if you're going to have to turn it over to your defense you're going to have to be good on special teams um, if if you can get you know six points a game um, from from your kicker that's that's pretty big and I mean the last two kicks he's had in games I mean that that 55 yarder looked like it had at least another five yards on it. The 47 yarder he made the week before that into the wind. I mean, that looked like it was probably going to be good for 55. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he's just kicking really well right now. He made a couple, uh, a very, very small adjustment, um, ahead of the Illinois game. And he's, I think, I believe three of his last four, four of his last five, four of his last five, I think four of his last five. Yeah. Um, so that's that's trending well there. And, you know, He's a Nebraska kid. He's kicked in the wind. He knows what to expect. Um, Memorial Stadium is kind of a, a difficult place to kick in, but he's done it um, and done it under pressure before. But that, that was good to see. I, I'll, I agree with you there. Yep.
0: Let's take a quick timeout. When we come back, we're going to continue talking to Nebraska football, what they have going on. We're also going to dive into a little bit of recruiting as Nebraska picked up another commitment over the weekend, and they had a visit weekend as well with some notables in town as we try to figure out if they're going to take all 85 scholarships in one single class. That is what uh you know, it could be trending towards and we're going to discuss it next on the Oscar 24/7 podcast. So before we get into the recruiting brunts, I do want to talk a little about kind of the the mental psyche of of this upcoming weekend. Like you have a you have a Michigan State team that's just completely reeling. Um they they played tough are more tough against Minnesota than I would have expected though. Some of that might have to be because Minnesota has largely just kind of underwhelmed on offense all year long. Maybe just weren't able to take advantage of things. What, you know, and we're going to have the hype cast obviously coming up this week where we're going to dive more in depth, but just sort of quickly, what is sort of your expectation of, of how Nebraska approaches this game against Michigan state and do you anticipate we see anything different on offense or do you just go forward with the game plans of what,
1: uh, Purdue Northwestern and, and Illinois? Yeah, I I don't, I'm not expecting anything, any any wholesale changes at this point. I mean, they kind of are what they are. Um, you know, I, I, I think this is going to be the kind of game where, um, you're going to have to grind it out on the ground Michigan state's decent against the run on defense. Um, sounds like you're you're gonna get a freshman quarterback um that that's the way things are yeah things leave are, yeah, where things are trending there i don't know i mean it it's another it's another challenge kind of similar to what northwestern was right where you it's everything says overlook this team how do you stay dialed in and and stay focused on that game i mean we'll, we'll see nebraska's passed those tests so far um and, and maybe going on the road and having to get it done there helps them a little bit. I'm, I'm kind of curious to see what the crowd's going to be like in East Lansing. Um, this, this is a team that has not played well. Um, it's last two, three times out. I mean, you, you had the Minnesota game and then, you know, the, before that they got blasted by Michigan. So you, you kind of don't know what to expect. I think, I think a lot of this game is about Nebraska and can they stay focused and it feels like as long as the offense doesn't blow its feet off of turnovers again, which is a big if, uh, that they should be okay in this one. So we'll, we'll see. I mean, that that's, that's what makes me nervous though, is that not necessarily what Nebraska isn't going to do, but what it will do, uh, that affects itself negatively. Yep.
0: All right. Let's, uh, let's dive into a little bit of recruiting as we finish things up here. Nebraska picked up a commitment from Jackson Lee, a, uh, a linebacker edge type, if you will, from the Dallas area. He was playing at Plano for a couple of years. Now he's at a school in Frisco. What, what did you make of this commitment Bronson? And you know, what is it you, you tweeted this, what does it sort of say about this class that I believe it's 16 of their commitments are from either Texas or Nebraska?
1: Yeah. um, We kind of figured this commitment was coming. I mean, Nebraska was by far his best offer. Uh, they move really quick um to, to get the official visit uh he kind of has the measurables and the times and everything that fit what matt rule and his staff look for uh in an edge player he's a quick twitch guy um had been committed to texas tech as a as a walk-on um prior to everything happening um and, and you know' just a guy with a good frame with some athleticism that that you can coach up i mean that that's kind of the the mo right now on defense and go back to what Matt rule said when he got here, that they wanted to build it around Nebraska kids. They wanted to pull um, guys out of Texas uh, when they could. And that's what they've done. Um, Like you said, eight eight from Nebraska, eight from Texas. I don't know that you're going to get eight every year from Nebraska, but uh, being able to go down into Texas, compete for the three and four star type guys, and also relying on connections to find guys like Jackson Lee that were a little bit looked over by the, the local programs down there. That's a, a good recipe. What what did you kind of make of it?
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of view it as rule talks about how he loves sort of guys that pop on senior film. And I think that's Jackson Lee. If you put that film on, he looks like an athletic linebacker, looks like a guy who they can, they can do something with. I mean, and the other part of it is like, we've seen John Bullock have success and Phelan Sanford and some of these former walk-on guys that are just really athletic and put in different positions and asked to do, Different things. So if you're going off of Jackson Lee's baseline athleticism, he's a really fast linebacker. And so I think they would be trying to utilize him in a way against teams that uh want to spread things out. And you know, kind of like uh they they would have utilized a Makai Bayer, I guess if you will, uh against Colorado, where you can use that speed and he can run with a Dylan Edwards and he can ask him to cover in, in that area. You know, so we'll we'll see. I you know, Lee Lee's a. I I talked to him on Sunday, a couple hours before the commitment happened in which he told me that it would be soon, but he did not want to tell me how soon. Um, I was thinking days. It turned out it was hours. Um, But he, he really obviously liked Nebraska and it's, it's his best opportunity. He wasn't shy about saying that, but he also just felt like it was a good fit uh, for him with the coaching staff. He, He certainly likes the defense. He really enjoyed being there for the Northwestern game and then being at home on Saturday watching him play against Purdue. And he's like, it was very easy for me to see how I could help or how I could fit or what they would be doing. And he's also just said something that I think you're going to hear from a lot of recruits, like their defense is fun to watch. He he liked watching them play. He did not comment on the offense, um, you know, which I think it's fair, but he, he genuinely enjoyed watching Nebraska play defense. I think as they go through this year, uh, and we can have all the big picture conversations about schedule and how real these wins are and everything else. And we can save that for another day. Recruits are seeing what their product is right now with Matt rule as your coach and Tony white is your defensive coordinator and universally almost all of the defensive guys I talked to are like, it just looks like those guys have fun. It looks like it would be a lot of fun to go play defense there because they're always running around. They're always hitting people and it looks like they're having a blast and that's what it looks like in the press box. That's what I assume it looks like in the stands, and that's what it looks like on the TV at home. Certainly, the recruits are picking up on that, and I think that will be very helpful. Probably more for twenty fives and twenty sixes as we get into the off season than what Nebraska has left here in the twenty twenty four class. But another addition and another guy that it wouldn't it would not remotely surprise me if you know some two years down the line we're talking about Jackson Lee emerging like James Williams did, where you just have that random big game and you're like all right it was a jackson lee week you know he put together some good practices they gave him the opportunity and lo and behold he performed that's just how it it just feels like we're wired for something like that here in
1: 2025 yeah so yeah. mark it down uh there were some other guys in, on campus not official yeah. visitors um who's the was the biggest one that you saw pop up on saturday
0: well that would be grant bricks he was tall and he's important and he was not wearing a uh, a sweatshirt. I mean, he's out there in just a, a t-shirt and a long sleeve shirt underneath and standing there in a Nebraska stocking hat. And it looked very comfortable talking to Matt rule before the game. Uh, this is a guy that they clearly want. Obviously, we know about the semi. We know that, um, you know, he came to Nebraska to take a visit, even though he said he wasn't going to do visits till after his season had sort of ended and he made a commitment. I take that as a really good sign for Nebraska. We'll see if he pops up at other schools for other games here in the future. But uh, the indication that that I have and the people that I have talked with, though I have not been able to talk to Grant specifically, uh, no big surprise there. This continues to look really good for Nebraska. And I continue to go back to this. And his dad was with him on Saturday. Proximity allows for his dad, his younger brother, and his mom to be able to watch him play far more games if he were to go to Nebraska than if he goes to Oklahoma, where they're in the SEC and getting to those games when they work Monday through Friday, um, is going to be really difficult on weekends. So, um, you know, we'll see what, uh, what ultimately happens. But Grant Bricks was a big one. Caleb, Pry- Caleb Pifrom, uh, the, the Omaha Central offensive lineman was really interesting to see him. I still remain somewhat skeptical that he is going to end up in Nebraska's class. They have a lot of offensive linemen, and that leads me to this other name, Xander. Ruggierole, who I talked with late last night, uh, had a good visit. I think the door is very open on Nebraska's end. He is quite interested. He's got a couple other Pac-12 schools he might take a visit to. But he has told me he is planning on being back in Lincoln in November um, or potentially in December if he's not able to make it back for either the Maryland or the Iowa game. So I would look for him to be an official visitor. I think Nebraska has a pretty good shot right now at potentially picking up a commitment for someone that they view as a tackle there. And if you were able to get Bricks and Ruggierole, and then you keep your other four interior offensive linemen,
1: suddenly you have a pretty large offensive line class. And that's okay, though. I mean, like, they're going to need to flip this thing. Like, you know, you've got, you had a a somewhat sizable class last year. Um, Another big class this year. I mean, I, I think, just kind of looking at the way the classes are, you kind of, you kind of have to, right? I just think they're just going to
0: take what they can. And if guys end up getting dropped, they get dropped. Like, I don't, I don't think they worry about it. I really don't. Um, I think that they expect that there's going to be some players that move out of the program that just aren't good fits that are going to seek opportunity elsewhere. And they're just going to have those players on the front side and figure out the numbers as they have to. I mean, I just don't, I don't see a lot of stress or a lot of concern Um as they kind of go about this. And I, I don't know. I mean, I just don't, I think the days of of me being able to, to sit there in February and outline Nebraska is going to try to take two to three of this position. Like that's done. I I just don't think it's, it's just not going to work like that. And then, you know, you still have the portal coming up and they still probably have at least three positions where it would make sense for them to add out of the portal. In addition to several of these high school guys that remain at large and then the random Texas player that'll just visit that we aren't prepared for some point next month uh, for the Maryland or Iowa game. There will be an official visitor that you and I will have never heard of, did not know that Nebraska is pursuing. And then he is up there and there's a possibility he could end up committing. Like, that's just how this has worked. And I, I look for it to stay largely the same. How big do you think this class gets? I think we're talking in the 30s. I mean, they're already, what, 27? Um, you know, and so... They're probably looking at like 32, 33. They took, I think they have 41 new people um, last year. So like right there, you're at 74. Um, and not everybody's on the scholarship. And, you know, we'll worry about the scholarship numbers when we need to worry about the scholarship numbers. But I, I would look for low 30s at this point. Um, and maybe it maybe it even gets to mid 30s. I don't know. I mean, it's it's a possibility. And And the other thing I will say is this. Not everybody currently committed is going to end up signing with Nebraska. I think that's um uh, the reality of the situation. I'm not going to name any names, but there's there's a possibility that of the 27 they have right now, a uh, few could end up just not signing with Nebraska and whether that means they flip somewhere else or they get dropped or they can't qualify, all of that remains
1: on the table. So, so. still so still a lot to go through. Like we're yeah the, the they have 27 20, names, but we still have no real great feel for everything. The 2024 class marches on <laughs> in perpetuity. In perpetuity. Absolutely. All right, Bronson, is there any other things
0: that you want to get to? There was other notable 2025s. Will Tompkins just picked up a uh, an offer. He's another person I heard from late on Sunday night. and Hoping to get a little bit more from him before I go with a story. But I will say... He was pretty fired up. He got the offer and he had his grandpa with him. His grandpa grew up lifelong Nebraska fan. Uh, that would be someone to keep an eye on. His teammate is Jake Peters, who committed to Nebraska. Uh, and I would imagine Will Tompkins will also be working on another Northern Iowa guy in Alex Mansky if he were to join Nebraska's class. So those are certainly some names to keep an eye on in 2025. That it wouldn't surprise me if they were to join uh, any, you know, whether it's Nebraska, Iowa, Iowa State, you know, where they're looking um before the end of the year like these are guys that i think are looking to make commitments before we even get into the 2024 calendar so all right Brunts, i uh, appreciate your time as always knocked out uh, another award-winning husker 24 7 podcast right here unfortunately bc not able to join us this afternoon so we we weren't able to see how his internet worked on monday afternoon but we'll find out with the husker 24 7 hypecast. That'll be coming later this week. Be sure to check out everything at husker247.com. Brunch, real quick, there's a great deal going on right now.
1: First month, first month for a buck. You get all – sign up today, you get all of November for a buck. It's going to be a big month, big month on a recruiting trail. Nebraska basketball is starting up. Nebraska football is March towards the bowl game or maybe even Indianapolis taking place um so lot lots of reasons to hop on that for a dollar you can't even get a cup of coffee anymore for a dollar um believe me i've tried um and get there husker 24 7 first month one dollar couldn't say it any better all right check out husker 24 7 we'll be back later this week with more podcast content